Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrar? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Fiorelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary In Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Let's put on a show, and we got a great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview is guitar legend Steve Vai. Hey, we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. You go to my website, you click the link and join the conversation. And our super fan shout-out is for Rachel. Say hi to Rachel, everybody. Hello, Rachel. Howdy, Rachel. And Rachel, if Phil was here, he would say... Oh, my God. He's under a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that Phil. never gets old that no, makes me feel good he's at sea somewhere we will catch up with phil uh i, th I think he's safe i haven't i haven't seen any anything on the news <laughs> so far yeah. thank god but i'm sorry he's gonna miss it because i am so excited we are talking to steve vi yes adam we're finally talking to steve vi i've been driving her crazy oh you think <laughs> you think i know every little detail about steve vi yeah because uh, Adam's been talking, or as Adam refers to him, as a freaking flamethrower. Yeah, he's a flamethrower. Come on. I, I showed you. Okay, he's, he's in the movie Crossroads with Ralph Macchio. Uh, right. Great yeah. hair. What? Divi? In that video? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I want to rip it off his head. That's. I show Alex the video of a guy operating on a level that's probably not on this planet. She's going, I love the hair. I did. I did. I'm like, wow, that's some great hair. Yeah, he, he plays pretty much the devil playing the guitar. He's playing a red Okay, I don't shogun. like his hair that much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's playing this red Charvel, and he's just, just, just ripping this thing up. And I showed Alex the, the, the clip of it. That was See? nice. That was nice work. Wow. I mean, j just amazing. And he's, he's done so much work uh, prior to that, and you're going to hear it in this interview. And the movie, Crossroads, was based on the legend of Robert Johnson. Yes. Uh, 
I know you know Robert Johnson. Do you know Robert Johnson? I don't know much of Robert Johnson, no. Well, he's dead. Um, <laughs> okay. There you go. That's the story. There you go. The <laughs> we'll end. start there. Yeah. He's a, he, he's a blues legend. And Alex, this is one of the greatest legends in rock and roll history. So yeah. cool. And one of the greatest songs, in my opinion, to Crossroads. Cause, oh, yeah. Uh, Robert Johnson went down to the Crossroads, which is uh, 125th and Lex. <laughs> okay. I think that's it. Should I believe him, Mark? <laughs> no, it's not. I want it's Mark not. to tell the story. <laughs> Please, Mark. Please, Uncle Mark. I'll, I'll know you there'll be the a more accuracy in it. I'm sorry. 125th and Lex is where Lou Reed went to buy heroin. I keep, con- <laughs> I keep confusing the two, Mark. Okay, Mark, yeah. you're on. <laughs> it's a different crossroads. <laughs> no, Adam's got it in front of him, man, but this is a cool story. You're going to love this. Yeah, okay. So between 1936 and 1937, Robert Johnson recorded 29 songs that made him a legend in uh, in blues history. Here's the the issue was he couldn't play he stunk. He was a, he was a harmonica player yep. and he was terrible. Wait, you start with harmonica then you went to guitar? Yeah. And the legend was he got that good because he went down to the crossroads and he sold his soul to the devil to be the great one of the greatest guitarists in the world. Yeah. Not so good. Yeah, and there were all kinds of like weird stories that like he would like he would wake up like and he wouldn't look like he'd slept, like his clothes were always perfect, like coming out of like the woods or something. I mean, it was just like there was this sort of supernatural spookiness about his ability. And people Mm -hmm. were like, Yeah, it's he sold a soul to the devil, and that's why he's as great as he is. Yeah, and he only did twenty nine he only recorded for a year, twenty nine songs, and some of the titles were Me and the Devil Blues. Uh, if I had possession over Judgment Day, uh, Crossroads, as I mentioned, you know, you write what you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just stuck on he sold his soul to the devil. Yeah. <laughs> the part I'm just stuck on, like, wow. Yeah, and he died young. He, di- he died at 27 and started the 27 Club in rock and roll history. Oh, that's right. He's you know, the first. He's the charter member. Yeah, that is a weird phenomenon club that... Is weird. Yeah, it's got Robert. Spooky. They, yeah, they said Robert Johnson's the first one to die at twenty-seven. Then I think yep. it was Brian Jones, Rolling Stones. Brian Jones. Yeah, uh, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, yep. Jim Morrison, Morrison, Kurt yeah. Cobain. Yep. Too many. Yeah, and I, Amy Winehouse. I Amy Winehouse. I was just about to say. Yeah. I mean, it's it's eerie. Mm-hmm. Like how many musicians have checked out at age twenty-seven? Yeah. I mean, super talented. It's spooky. Yeah. It it's, really is. I don't want to think about it too much, but I'd like to say a Hail Mary. I don't think she died at 27. No, but we we all need one right now. All right. Yeah, we could use one. And Alex, do you know how Robert Johnson died? I hate to ask, but I will. So he was a fan of the ladies, and most of the time it was ladies who were with other guys, like married ladies. And apparently he was cavorting with this woman, and her husband was a bartender and gave and knew what was going on with Robert Johnson, and his wife and served Robert Johnson, this whiskey in an open bottle. Mm. And I think his friend was like, no, 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 Robert, no, no, Robert, don't drink that, man. He's like, whatever, I'll be fine. They slapped it, it out of his hand. Yeah. Oh, is, is he slapped out of his hand. Was that the part of the story? Said, you yeah. don't drink okay. over and open. You don't you never drink out of an open bottle. <clears throat> so he ended up drinking it and it was poisoned and he ended up dying. Well, that or syphilis. whatever comes first also connected to the ladies (laughs) it could have been could have been but it said syphilis yeah so but so anyway the legend of uh robert johnson was uh what they based the movie crossroads on and in the movie ralph macchio uh plays uh eugene martone who's a guitar player and he's fascinated with the blues and he finds out 
that uh, Willie Brown, who was uh, one of uh, Robert Johnson's friends, is still alive. And he's in a, uh, a prison hospital. What did he do? He killed a guy. So, oh, man. Well, <laughs> allegedly. How's that? Better? Okay. <laughs> allegedly. As far as you can prove. Yeah. All right? You got nothing else, cop. Yeah. So in the movie, Willie Brown tells uh, Ralph's character that there's a lost uh, Robert Johnson song, and I'll show you if you bust me out of here. I got to go down to Memphis. I got some unfinished business. So Ralph busts him out, and the unfinished business was Willie Brown sold his soul to the devil to be the best harmonica player. So he's going back to Memphis to get his soul back. And in the movie, the devil tells Willie, he goes, hey, I made you the best harmonica player. You killed a guy. Don't blame me that your life didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. Who told you to go kill a guy? <laughs> oh, so it wasn't a get out of jail free card? No, it was a look. The devil just said, are you the best harmonica player? Yeah, my work is done, Willie. <laughs> right. Look at the fine print, pal. Yeah. That's how it always works. And then the devil went to Willie, but if your young guitar player can beat Jack Butler, you can have your soul back. And Ralph doesn't believe in any of this stuff. He goes, I'll, I'll play I'll play guitar against this guy. They call it cutting heads. I'll go cutting heads against this guy. And that, that that's how that scene came around, because Jack Butler was played by Steve Vai. And that's the scene I showed you. And Ralph's character wins his soul back, or is that a... Well, the show, the, the movie came out in 86, I think I can... Spoiler alert! <laughs> Spoiler alert! The Karate Kid does all right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. And that's the clip I showed you of him cutting heads. But all, like, the blues and the rock and roll legends, like Clapton, Hendrix, mm -hmm. all these guys, like, they bowed to the altar of Robert Johnson. They're like... Robert is like the father of all of this stuff, mm. like Zeppelin, all of these guys. Zeppelin played a, a, a bunch of his tunes, I think. Mm. And, you know, he was just he's the godfather. I mean, you could really say he's the, the grandfather of rock and roll. Mm. He really is. And huh? he's a friggin' flamethrower. That's <laughs> <laughs> that. And we know. <laughs> yeah. And it was yes, so, he is. And it was so cool for me to talk to him. And I got uh, we started off with a little bit of a metaphysical discussion, so we kind of went that way. No. Really? Yeah. You got into a heavy metaphysical <laughs> philosophical discussion with one of our guests? I'm stunned. Yeah, I know. And it was Steve Vai. How cool is that? <laughs> that is pretty cool. <laughs> and in this interview, Steve mentions determination about getting what you want, which I think is going to work out better than making a deal with the devil. Yes. <laughs> most yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. So you guys listen to this, and we will see you on the other side. His name is synonymous with blues. His music made him one of the most iconic figures in his genre. He is cemented as a legend. And yet, very little is known about Robert Johnson. So much so that a legend was born that Johnson sold his soul to the devil so that he could become a master of the guitar. Johnson passed away under mysterious circumstances. That or syphilis. Which is... <laughs> You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 minutes you'll never get back. These are longer than 30 minutes. Don't bullshit me. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. 
answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I would love to see you, and I would love to make you laugh. Come see me do stand-up. December 2nd through the 4th, I will be at McGooby's Joke House in Timonium, Maryland. December 16th, I will be at the Parks Casino in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania for one night only. And December 17th through December 18th, I will be at Levity Live in Nyack, New York. There's a link for tickets right here in the show notes, or you can go to my website and click the link there. How long we have been doing this? You know I have to thank you. If you can make the show, please come up afterwards and let me share. Shake your hand. All right. Get out of here. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD. It's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting. It's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird. My guest this week is a friggin' guitar god. He's a three-time Grammy Award winner, 15-time Grammy nominee, and he's sold over 15 million records. He's a virtuoso and visionary composer you know from his solo work, as well as his work with David Lee Roth, Whitesnake, Frank Zappa, Alcatraz, and many more. He's a beekeeper that gave the world the monkey grip and the floating tremolo, and when he plays, you can hear, see, feel divine inspiration manifested through human talent. I am very grateful he's made time for us today. The pride of Carl Place, Long Island, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Steve Vine. How are you, pal? Well, with an intro like that, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, my friend. I, I had so much fun uh, writing it because I've been an admirer of yours since I picked up the guitar. And then when I saw you play, I put down the guitar. I went, who we get? <laughs> thank you. But you should pick it back up again. It's everybody should play the guitar. Yeah, I still have one. I got a I got a Clapton Strat here in New York, um, nice. and I got uh, uh, I got a Cordova nylon string out in California, and I had a Dickie Betts Ibanez for a while. But uh, nice. yeah, I mean, I meant what I said uh, about divine inspiration just being manifested through talent, because you, you're not like anything else. It's not you're not a blues guitarist, but we both share that affinity for that that 70s uh, uh, rock musicians. Um, yeah. I think specifically from what I was reading, Led Zeppelin too just kind of opened your eyes a little bit. That was it for me, yeah. When I when I heard that uh, solo to Heartbreaker. Yeah. Before that, I, I adored the guitar. Mm -hmm. You know, but I just... I, I never had the courage to pick it up. It was always such a cool instrument, you know? And I just thought, well, it's too cool for me. I'm not cool. <laughs> Yeah, you had that. In fact, I, I took this from one of the interviews because it was what I felt as a kid. You didn't have the right to play it, you thought. Yeah, it's kind of those one of those bizarre men. You know, it, it's kind of weird. Um, in trying to think back, it was always a fantasy, though. Mm -hmm. I was playing the guitar in my mind before I actually put my hands on it with the, with the uh, intention mm -hmm. to play it. You know, there's this little <clears throat> sort of evolution of uh, desire, so to speak, that right. we have, you know. And the first step is we wish 
You know, I remember I I wish I played the guitar. I wish I mm -hmm. and, and most people wish for things. Right. But when you wish for something, what you're saying is, but I don't have it. I, yeah. I wish, for it, but I don't have it. So then if you wish long enough, you, you can you can evolve into desiring to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I remember when I was um, before I started playing, there was that that evolution. There was a wish. And then the moment something becomes a desire that's stronger than a wish, mm -hmm. you know, because it, what, it, what it says is I, I actually want this. I don't wish for it. I I do want it, and and then and then the next uh, phase after that, after you desire something, if if you desire it enough, you go in, you sort of evolve into intention. Mm -hmm. This is kind of Wayne Dyer stuff, but you know. So then once you once you intend to do something, there's a big difference in the in, in energy you have by wishing for something, desiring something, and then intending to do it. And mm. this, this goes for anything, yeah. you know? So the moment that you intend, that's, uh, that's powerful. And I remember when I, when I hit that point was when I heard that Led Zeppelin record. Really? Yeah, because it was like, okay, that's it. I intend to play the guitar. And then the evolution of intention is passion. Right. And I, I drifted right into that. It became... And there's no questioning in passion. Do you know what I mean? There's no wishing or desiring. You, you're, you're in it. Yeah. So I didn't know I was doing all that, obviously. But Yeah, well, I, I want to go back to the to desire because what you said with wish, you're coming from lack. Yeah, the, within wishing and desire and intention and passion, there's, there's levels. Mm -hmm. You know, so wishing for something in itself says I don't have it. Yeah. You know, that's it comes from a place of lack. Yeah. So people get stuck in that forever. But for some of those things that you don't believe you can accomplish or that you don't believe you can do, there's that process is usually that wishing. And that's the way it was for me. It was always, I wish I played. I wish I played. I wish I played. And then I remember when it started to, it transformed into desire. I, I remember. I remember the moment. I was in seventh grade, and there was these kids in the eighth grade, and they were really cool. And they had a band, and they played in the music room at our high school. Uh, they were just so cool. And I sat in that room and I watched them play. And that's when I. That's when I said, I want to. I I want to play the guitar. I want to play it. I want to. Mm. But you see, wanting. Is stronger than wishing, but it's right. still not. Uh, it's it's still not having the intention to do it. Yeah, it's coming from lack. Yeah, yeah. So, what was the? I mean, because you had, you had a great quote that I wrote down. The greatest treasure map is that of enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. Because when you, I mean, you could you could see when you play. Um, here, here's what I get when you play. There's the great aggression. There's great depth. I mean, the the, the tone you've achieved there's a savage elegance to it. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Savage elegance. Yeah. It's a good name for a record, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it all looks like it's coming out of the same place. If that makes any sense. The, yeah. And that I think, uh, goes hand in hand with intention. You know, uh, many artists, they all have different kinds of intentions, you know, like when you have an intention, you have a vision. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, that's your greatest uh, manifestational tool, mm. your ability to visualize. This is very true. So then um, uh, a lot of my intention has always been to be a great performer because that's what we are. You know, we, I like performing. I like it's a service that I offer to people who are interested. So and, I, and I've always been a sucker for theater and ham, you know, hamming it, hamming it up. <laughs> I love that. You know, I just I, I, I picture when I was a kid, I'd lay in bed. I picture myself doing savage elegance. That's what I, I imagine. I didn't know I was doing it, but mm-hmm. I saw a performer that played gracefully, elegantly, almost effortlessly um, and uh, really communicating and being being entertaining and engaging and satisfying so that that was always the the sort of the energy the mental energy that i put into the visual Mm -hmm. the visual of myself performing now i was a i was a kid i was nine eight nine ten eleven twelve years old um and i i didn't realize that what i was doing was manifesting a future steve vai yeah yeah, that's what we do. We all do that. Well, this is what I got to ask you because visualization is 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 the first step, but then there has to be, and I, I'm going to come up, I don't know if I'm using the right word to communicate this, but a feeling or a body presence that has to be something, you just can't see it. You got to actually feel it. The feeling that you're referring to is the feeling of determination mm-hmm. to do. You just, I know this sounds very, maybe, metaphysical and and quirky and but the moment that left turn 10 minutes ago well let's just keep going now you look you got me that's what you get (laughs) no i'm I'm happy about it (laughs) okay you get this stuff uh the uh the the this the moment that a person and this goes for anybody on any subject Mm -hmm. the moment that they decide it's a done deal. Mm. It's just a done deal. But you have to really decide. There can't be any resistance in it. Right. It's like it's like recognizing the subtle difference between wishing, desiring, intending, and being in a state of passion. Mm. They're subtle, but that's what you're manifesting because the way you feel reflects in what you look for in the world. Yeah. Right? So when you intend... That's your strength. That's all of your power. But most people, they believe they're intending, but there's resistance in it. There's fear. But what if? They, yeah. they, there's that, but what if? And as long as there's that, then that's what you, you're, you're diluting your manifestation. You're blocking it because what you're getting is what you're feeling. Fear. All right. Next you question know? I got is how do you, if you have and you can identify and aware of that, but what if feeling, how does one move past it? You have to desire something. You, everybody has natural inclinations to do those things that are naturally enjoyable, fulfilling mm-hmm. to them, to them. Okay. The world tells you those things that are natural and fulfilling to you are not important. You have to make big changes in the world. You have to be really successful. Those little things that you love doing like gardening or or sewing or organizing things, 
that's not important. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what the world says. But what would where would we be if those things weren't important? And and there's people that love doing them, but they don't enjoy it because the mind is telling them, no, I should be doing something more important with my life. Mm-hmm. This is this is a, a false premise. This is a lie that the ego tells you. Basically, if you're enjoying what you're doing in the moment, you are fulfilling your purpose. That's good. <laughs> yeah, when you are enjoying what you're doing, you are living life to its fullest. This living life to its fullest for most people is a future fantasy of having all sorts of shit. Mm, yeah. It's not it. Yeah. What it's- is it is you enjoying anything that it is. So for me, I enjoy the thing that feels natural to me, that's natural. There's so many things I can't do well, you know, and I don't pretend to because I'm not interested. So that you ask the question, how do you, um, how do you recognize when you're, you want something, you're intending something, but there's, you're blocking it by your fear, right? Well, the answer is simple. How do you feel? What flows into what you're doing is the important thing. If you're really enjoying something, you're, you're charging what you're manifesting with that feeling of enjoyment, you know, and there's a quality in it. So the, so the thing is, what is the, what is the realistic feeling inside of you when you're imagining what you want? The things that are natural to you are very simple for you. There's no agenda in them. There's no fear of failure. There's no future. There's no fear of fitting in. There's, there's no fear that you're not going to get it because it's, none of that exists. It's a, it, because you're in the moment, you know what you want, and you're doing it and you're enjoying it. So the answer to the question is you have to know how you, you have to be able to see from a, maybe a, a different perspective how you are feeling. And is there resistance? Mm. And then if there is, chances are it's a fantasy that's not natural to you. And if you had it, might seem good for a little while, but will end up with it will end up in dysfunction somehow. Yeah. For well, you. It's a surface. It's a, it's a, from what I've experienced, Steve, is an imagined band aid to a problem. You're not really that aware of the source. Beautifully put. Beautifully put. It's an insecurity thing. Yeah. Oh, I'm riddled with it. <laughs> we all are. Yeah. We all are. You actually gave gave me permission to to dream a little bit because you know you hear Steve Vai play guitar. You know, and then you're like, he's from Long Island. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> he's from Mars. <laughs> are you kidding? Yeah. He's not, he's not a Merlon Avenue, Madison Peak, with Mars Car Place. Steve Vai lives here. <laughs> Change at Hempstead. <laughs> so just to know that you came from the same place that I did. And we have a, a mutual friend, Ralph Macchio. And I, the first thing I did was, because he's from Long Island too. We met, yeah. we did a movie together. The first thing we did in the first 10 minutes is I made a dairy barn joke and he just started laughing and we were friends. <laughs> How is Ralph? Well, Ralph is great. 
he's great. He was. Uh, I haven't seen him in so many years. I, I I really enjoyed working with him. Oh, he was a sweetheart. He's he's Long Island kid. He was oh, out by my mother. That's amazing. Yeah, I went to see him when I was. Give him my give him my best. I certainly will. And of course, the I just want to let everybody know the movie you did together was Crossroads. Um, yeah. And yeah. um, you play uh, you played the devil, and you were cutting heads in this room with Ralph, and Ralph's got this yeah. beat up old Telecaster, and that's one of the performances. I mean, just the whammy bar when you put your hand on your hip and just and just raised up the tone. I'm like, you know, you were just yeah. totally present in doing it. And was cooking. Yeah, yeah. I got to ask how that gig came to you. Well, that was one of those things where uh, I had just released my first solo record, Flexible. Mm -hmm. And uh, Guitar Player Magazine put a flexi disc, a little floppy flexi disc of one of the songs called the Attitude Song, which is this was the first real whacked out proto technique guitar song. That I was a whammy did. bar workout, that song. That was a whammy bar workout. And uh, it's a whammy bar clinic, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was it was really uh, besides Frank Zappa, that attitude song in that magazine launched my career. And mm -hmm. one of the things that came from it was Crossroads, because Ry Cooter was scoring the film. Right. And he called Guitar Player magazine and he said, Who, who's the new hotshot guitar player? I need I need the you know, because they were working on the scene and they had a lot of guys come in and out and it just wasn't working. You know, it was. It was becoming, it was like they were jamming. Yeah. You know? So they played him the Attitude song over the phone. And Rye called me and came to my house. I couldn't believe it. I had his records on my shelf. Whoops. I had his records on my shelf and him sitting on my couch. And I'm like, holy sh <laughs> So, uh, yeah. And, and uh, I read the script and I thought, yeah, this is easy. It's laid out right there, you know? It says, at one part it says, Jack Butler makes the guitar, like the first thing he does, he makes it sound like a train. Mm -hmm. So I said, oh, I know how to do that. Yeah. You know, that's, that and that's tune it down and go boom, 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 yeah. woo, woo. <laughs> so that turned into a song later called Bad Horsey. But was what was really great, um, I, played, I played the guitar parts mm -hmm. for Ralph right. in the movie, with the exception of all the slide stuff. Yeah. And I'm just talking about the dual sequence and uh, and this one riff that Ride does while he's playing it with the slide mm -hmm. when he echoes my train. Mm -hmm. So I do my big chugga chugga and then he does this absolutely cool little locomotive sound. So this was something that I don't think they were coming up with before because they didn't have somebody as hammy as me. Right. You know, I I read the script and I said, oh, yeah, then then Jack Butler does this and then this guy does that. And then that guy. So each riff had to kind of, you know, so I pictured it all and I said, well, I play one note. And, then, you know, so then you just spell it out and it worked. Yeah. And then they asked me to be in the film after uh, the recording. And uh, at first I said no. <laughs> really? Yeah, because. Uh, I didn't I'm, I didn't see myself as an actor, you know, that kind of thing. And and I. I love good acting, uh -huh. uh, but I, I I I just didn't feel. And then the, the director, Walter Hill, asked me again. I read the script and I said, OK, I think I can be a nasty guy. Yeah. The moment that you were 
also, I'm just not gonna say I'm gonna say present where I went fuck was when you couldn't play the riff when you looked up that fear in your eyes that was that whole moment that nonverbal communication of that exchange between you and Ralph yeah felt the whole thing yeah, that, and dropped that was the hardest the yeah that was the hardest thing to do in the whole film because <laughs> Arlen Roth do you know Arlen yeah he's a guitar teacher yeah, he worked on the film quite a bit too. Mm -hmm. He uh, helped. Uh, he uh, he was very instrumental in a lot of the guitar stuff, you know, mm -hmm. helping out. He helped Ralph and and uh, him and I got on great, and we had this kind of uh, comedy humor attack. Mm -hmm. Did you yeah. ever have? Did you ever like meet somebody you don't know why, but you just look at each other and you start laughing hysterically? Yeah. Like, there's those moments of like just. You can't hold it. Mm -hmm. So in that one scene, when I hit that high note, I finally, I, I think I overdubbed like 15 guitars, all like a microtone off, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it just sounded really wrong. Right. And it was really silly to me. You know, it was kind of, it was cool, but it was kind of silly. So, so Arlen and I got into a laughing fit about it. And you know what happens? It becomes contagious. Yeah. And the cameraman was getting it. So we would be doing that scene and I'd be down on the ground like that. You know, how like when I, after mm -hmm. I mess it up and I hit the wrong note and I'm down. Mm -hmm. The fact that I'm down on the ground battling uh, with the guitar was so humorous to us that I start, uh, that became one of those pivotal crack up moments. Mm -hmm. And we, I had to take that, most of those scenes in that whole movie, I mean, in that whole se section for me, just went like that. Yeah. They just, you know, the, the director said nothing except action. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, that's it. But that scene, yeah. I had to keep taking it and taking it because I'd be down there like this and I'd be laughing, I'd be shaking like this. You wouldn't see my face, but I'd be laughing. And then, uh, and then at those, and how can you have a straight face? I'm going... <laughs> and the and, and then finally when it was like that you know the director's like okay man you gotta pull this shit together you right. know i'm like okay okay i got this i got this I, bam i'm down and i see the cameraman shaking right <laughs> and that was it i couldn't hold it but finally i got the scene yeah but it worked <laughs> it worked that it worked. And, and that was one of the when they said the hot new guitars you were coming out of left field because Flexible yeah. was what, 84? So Van Halen was out. There was all that tapping stuff going on, and that kind of changed the map. But there was a, you were different. You were different than Eddie. You were different. Like I heard, I, I can hear uh, Stravinsky, I can hear in the <laughs> shit you're putting out there. I've probably listened to Stravinsky a lot more than I've listened to Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I can hear this like in instrumental music, it's, it's, it's purely you know, feeling, right? So it's like, cause there's no words to hang on to for me. So in my line of work, my first 10 seconds, Steve, for people that don't know me, I'm not getting you to laugh. I'm getting you to trust me. Right, right. So in instrumental music, when I listen to it, I, I need that trust needs to be established. I, I can let go and fully enjoy it. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it's, a, you know, there's an interesting analogy that David Lee Roth made once mm -hmm. about my guitar playing. He said, I'm like the, the guy sitting on a branch mm -hmm. that's sawing the branch, you know, uh -huh. and and just holding on by one hand going, look, ma, no, or something like that. Like, look, ma, no hands, uh -huh. you know. Somehow you think it's all going to fall apart, but 
Yeah. Makes it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's that tension and release is uh, that, that yeah. is not a guy. Not a lot of guys can do that. Now you open the door. How did you get the gig with uh, David Lee Roth? Well, that was kind of similar, but Billy Sheehan was working with Dave and they were looking for a guitar player and they had, they had a couple of guys down, mm-hmm. uh, but then Billy recommended me. Mm-hmm. And w- once I got into the basement and we started doing that, it was all there. It was all there. How was Dave? Yeah. How was how was uh, Dave to work with? Well, um, I was a I was a big fan, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so, well, David Lee Roth is has uh, various sides, you know. He's got the the public persona and the rock star thing Mm -hmm. and his private uh working persona it's got a lot of that in it but he also has um a tremendous work ethic unbelievable Mm -hmm. fierce man fierce and uh we got along great we were like a team you know and and he knew what he wanted and and we discussed certain things and you know, he had executive uh, yeah. approval, of course. You know, it was Dave. But, uh, you know, I'm, I don't have a problem working with s- strong people, you know, like, because I don't take anything personally. Do you know what I mean? It, it's, well, of course, there's things that there have, you know, there's things I take personally, but I don't, I, you, you just have to allow them to be. Yeah. Without criticizing or whatever, because then you can have a great kind of working relation and a friendship. You can't have a friendship any other way. I learned a lot. When you're an artist, there's so much of you being put into the product, you know, and the separation, the separation of of being a hired gun or being an artist are two different things. That's why I wanted to ask you about working in a band or working on your. Your yeah, very different. Yeah, uh, with with the bands I've worked with, you know, the White Snakes and David Lee Roth. Well, fortunately, I, I, I like like you said in the beginning, we grew up with that '70s rock music. So I, I had rock music in my blood. Yeah, it was yeah. there. You know, I loved it. And you know, Led Zeppelin, Queen, Kiss, Alice Cooper, Richie Blackmore, you know, Richie, yeah, Deep Purple. All that stuff was my food Mm -hmm. but on the other hand i was you know uh i was really into the whole concept of composing Mm -hmm. i i was just as fierce about that you know so um that that was kind of my uh ability my ability to contribute to these bands in what i know they needed was there Mm -hmm. i knew i knew that i can apply myself to what david lee roth what I believe he needs, mm-hmm. what's 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 uh, expected, but he has to know how quirky I am. Mm-hmm. You know, he he has to know I'm not going to sound like I can't. Right. You know, I, I'm not going to sound like anybody. I'm not, I'm not Edward. I'm not any of that stuff. And I had I never had an intention to try to be. I never played Eruption or any. You know, I never. Um, I loved playing Van Halen songs. They're beautifully orchestrated guitar pieces of music, you know. But um, I knew I can contribute in a way that would work. Uh, but in the background was Passion and Warfare. Yeah. Which had nothing to do with, very little to do with any of those bands I played yeah. with. Passion and Warfare being 
one of my favorite of your solo albums. By the way, the last speeding ticket I got, I was playing Animal, driving, <laughs> home, driving. Steve, I'm in a, I'm in a Mustang GT350. I'm driving home from uh, Vegas to LA. I got Passion War for the track Animals on, and a, <laughs> well, it could have been worse. You could have been listening to Kill the Guy with the Ball from Alien Love Seekers. <laughs> he would have never caught you. <laughs> So uh, is your attention, uh, is your, does music grab your attention or does it happen spontaneously when you sit down? Various ways. I don't rule out any uh, invitation for inspiration, mm -hmm. but most of the time I imagine it first. Okay. You get a snapshot of an idea. It's like a download and then you just go about making it like I just finished just finished right now uh -huh. this this minute before this phone call mm -hmm. I finished mixing a song on a on my new record that I'm working on it's called teeth of the hydra and the hydra is a is a guitar mm -hmm. that I mm -hmm. imagined I started imagining it about four or five years ago so it took three four years to build it and I imagined how I wanted to play it. It has three necks. I was going to say, it's <laughs> got to have more than one neck, hence the Yeah, and a sympathetic strings, and it's, it's a beast. This is the first I'm mentioning it, by the way. Um, it's really a beast, and I, I had to imagine the performance of it. Like, how do I... And then it just came. And then you have to manifest it in the world. Uh -huh by focusing one little step at a time and enjoying each step, being patient and enjoying. In order for anything to come out with any real quality that you manifest, you have to eliminate psychological time from yep. your mind. Because you're in the future of the outcome. Yeah, yeah, you're, well, you're in the, you're, 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 you're feeling pressured, you're trying to get to the next thing, your uh, your your attention is in the future, and you're missing it. Uh -huh. You're missing what you're doing, and the quality of what you're doing suffers. Yeah, when you're when you're a slave to psychological time, because you compromise your integrity. Yeah, because what sense. you what you say, think, and feel is not all lined up in that moment because you're distracted by the outcome of the future. Yeah, well, not just the outcome of the future, uh -huh. but what what a deadline yeah you know it's like creativity cannot well yeah no creativity uh has to has to be respected in order for it to flower in a real look you write jokes mm -hmm. right yeah so how does it feel when you're sitting there and you're not thinking about the next gig or you're not thinking about you have to have this done before dinner or anything like that. You're just thinking, okay, now I got, you're focused on and you're seeing the, the jokes and you're seeing the audience, you're feeling the audience response and you're feeling the joke and that makes you laugh just thinking about it, whatever it is, you know? So the quality of that's gonna be much more powerful when you're not in fear about any future mm -hmm. outcome. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the intention of what you're building. Look, it's like, 
you have to have a pure intention of what you're doing in the moment. Otherwise, it's like the paradoxical uh, fuel of creation is uh, we're going to fight for peace. Well, no. <laughs> I don't think it doesn't gonna... work. Whatever you whatever. But what people don't understand is whatever you fight, yeah. you create more of. Yeah. Yeah, so you, but, that's, you, but you, being in the being psychological, being beholden to psychological time is just human conditioning. Yeah, that's human conditioning. It actually doesn't exist in reality, mm -hmm. but in in the conditioned mind of man, it exists. Yeah, time in general too. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I I, I want to ask you this because I'm fascinated that you are a beekeeper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just uh, when I read that, I was just like, okay, for and, and I want the honey. <laughs> Okay, I want I'll have honey. to talk to the bees. Yes, because I looked, <laughs> I, I saw the honey. I said, you can't, I told my, honey, we can't buy it online. Because you can't buy it online. <laughs> no, there was a time when I was off, excuse me, <clears throat> offering it through my website for charity. Right. Yeah. Well, that was kind of simple. We, we bought this property in Encino, uh -huh. and it was two acres, and it was vacant for 10 years, so everything was dead, uh -huh. you know. <laughs> and we wanted to plant also. My, I wanted some fruit trees. My wife wanted gardens. And I just did a little research and I discovered that carpenter bees mm. are okay pollinators. So I sent away and I got some carpenter bees, but they, they were like, they were no fun and they didn't really work. Honeybees are the best. Mm. So, but I, but I thought, oh, I'd be, I could be a, be a beekeeper, you know? And then I thought, yeah, I could be a beekeeper. Why not? <laughs> So I want to do that. And so I just did a little research and I called this guy and the, the local beekeeper, he came over, he brought some hives mm -hmm. uh, and it was just, it's a great hobby. I, I know a lot about it because I became very interested and I was studying it mm -hmm. and uh, I keep my hives right up. Well, all tied up here and I can't show you, <laughs> Okay. but I, okay. yeah, I keep my hives in the back and through the years I've had at the most, I had seven colonies. And uh, I haven't done a honey harvest in some years now, though, because there was that period where the honeybees uh, had their drought. You mm -hmm. know, they, but they're coming back. Well, the the thing, I, you know, I like bee, bees. Always, uh, I always thought of bees are like the truckers of the of the insect world. Like those, they're always bringing shit in. You know, they're bringing in the pot. yeah, yeah. They're amazing little creatures, unbelievable. Uh, they're so much fun. They're easy to keep. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend it. They're not. Well, you can get a, the temperament of a hive is based on the uh, temperament of the queen. So Same if you have my a, house. Like, yeah. <laughs> so if you have the a temperament of a queen that grew up in a rough neighborhood, you're going to have an aggressive hive. <laughs> so uh, let me ask you about the bees. What's the smoke for? I always thought it was Well, the smoke, you smoke them because when, what happens is, Bees communicate with pheromones, which are odors, and they've mm -hmm. got like I think, 24 different odors. And what they sent out are signals mm -hmm. like you know, do this, do that. Now it's time to go here, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and one of those pheromones says, attack this guy, <laughs> you know, he's ruining our house, you know. Uh, so by smoking, you throw you throw that off a bit. Mm -hmm. They they it's a little more difficult for them to. Uh, kind of get you but what they do also when you when you smoke them they think there's a fire so they gorge themselves on honey because what they would do instinctually is take leave the hive and take as much honey as they can by consuming mm -hmm. as much as they can now what happens when a honeybee gorges themselves on honey 
they can't sting you because their little bottoms can't they can't turn do that. Yeah. So by smoking them, it's harder for the for them to sting you also. But a lot of my hives, they're they're very gentle. I got this one queen from Italy, mm-hmm. and uh, my God, she, she was so great. This was years ago. The 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 bees are like soft golden brown, very mm-hmm. fuzzy, and they they're very gentle. You could pick them up like this, you know, and and they make so much honey. I couldn't believe it, clear honey. And I had like five supers on top of the hive. It was like you know, really hot. What's a super? Super is a box that uh, has comb in it. That the it's a box that you put on top of the hive that has frames in it mm-hmm. that has sort of uh, these these wax imprints of a cell, and then the bees come in and it's very very easy for them to build the um, co- the comb mm-hmm. off of these frames, and then you just pull the frame out and you can extract the honey. So they're like forms for concrete. Exactly. See, Italians always go back to forms for concrete. Right. Yeah. You know, the only problem I had with that Italian queen, sometimes right. the bees would make tomato sauce instead. <laughs> the, the last Italian queen I met was Mario Crantone. <laughs> the last Italian queen I met was at the Reaper Barn in Germany. The Re- Did you play <laughs> where the Beatles played? <laughs> the Reaper Barn. You know what that is? Yeah. That's, 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 the, that's, that's the red light district in Germany. Yes. In Hamburg, where the Beatles play. Hamburg, yeah. yeah. Well, the Beatles might have played. They probably played in a club or something around there. You know who I'm talking to next week? Who? Glenn John. Oh, really? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That, he's an icon. Oh, God. I flipped out when I met him. I met, Okay. I uh, I texted Richard Marks after I got off the phone. I said, I just got off the phone with Glenn Johns, and I have to text somebody who knows how cool that is. Because my, <laughs> my, my wife was just like, that's nice. Take out the garbage. You know, nothing. <laughs> so I cannot thank you enough, Steve. Uh, I, I, I felt connected to you through your art and even talking to you right now. I could I could wander around uh, what we were talking about for a long time. Thank you. I appreciate this. This is great. You're doing good stuff there, Adam. Uh, thank you, brother. Best to you and the family. Stay well. Be good, my friend. You brother. got it. God bless. Cheers. You know, the ADD interview was brought to you by cruiseintowellness.com. You get 20% off with the coupon code ADAM. Yes, you do. You know why? Because you're with me. Anybody asked, you're with me. You go there for your edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, and your pet products. All right? All right. Cruiseintowellness.com. Go. Feel better. Vi, a flamethrower! <laughs> Huge smile on Adam's face. Yeah. How cool is it? Yeah. I, 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 I got to talk to him. Yeah. And you, you got some that. great advice from him. Mm-hmm. So, Adam, did you wish for this interview to happen? <laughs> yes. Is that how it worked? I set an intention. <laughs> I had determination. I hid out in his bushes. <laughs> Friggin' bees all over me. <laughs> bees all over you. Yeah. Oh, by the way, just as a side note, thank you for asking him about the smoke with the bees. Yeah. Because I had no idea what the hell the smoke was with the bees. And now I know. That's yeah. one of the coolest things. I had no idea how that worked. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just, I didn't know they communicated by pheromones. I thought I, I thought only Phil did that. <laughs> yes. I don't want to think. If you it... smell something, Phil needs help. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Phil's pheromones. Okay, we don't have to talk about okay. Phil's pheromones. But yeah, so the, the smoke confuses the bees. 
They think it's a fire. They eat the honey and they can't bend their stingers to get you. Yeah, it's no, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And it's such a cool thing. I mean, he just seems like a guy who's like interested in something. And like you said, he's, I'm going to go do that. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to idly wonder about it. I want to do that. I'm going to go seize that and do it. And whether it's music or the bees, I mean, that seems to be how he lives his life. I think mm-hmm. it's really cool. Hey, Mark, where do you think I can yeah. get that smoke machine? So when Adam comes home, I can start it up. <laughs> so it doesn't sting. Yeah, right, honey. <laughs> if you really want, I can start my smoke machine before I come home. <laughs> That'll make me happy and I won't sting. I get a little cute beekeeper outfit. That's better, yes. <laughs> I want you walking around in a bee in a bee outfit. <laughs> that was cool. He got his queen from Italy. Mm-hmm. She was yeah, an Italian mellow, queen. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got mine from San Francisco. Hey, queen. <laughs> Goodness. And he's one of the foremost guitarists in the world. I mean, in the freaking world, this this was interesting. I said, you're from Carl Place, Long Island. That gave me permission to dream because it really did. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, he's I guess I can do what something important. <laughs> this guy from Carl Place is doing something important. <laughs> right. Well, first of all, I would say I don't know what's in the water in on Long Island, mm-hmm. but there's okay. a ton of you guys that have gone out and done huge things i happen to work with a guy on another show named anthony Irwin kornheiser he's mm. done okay yeah. he has all you guys from long island there's something in the water there but i just love the fact that before he played guitar he was like i adored it too much i was like i can't i can't play the guitar yeah. no that's too important of an instrument like it was almost like he was intimidated by the whole process of it mm. you know he needed permission to say you can you know yeah and uh and and when he heard the heartbreaker um uh solo <laughs> Honey, let Zeppelin put out Zeppelin 2. It's a great album. And there's uh-huh. a song on there called Heartbreaker. Yeah. Heartbreaker! And there's a solo in there. <laughs> and when Steve Vai heard that solo, a door in his mind opened up. And that's when he said, I'm playing this freaking guitar. Kind of like when you saw Richard Pryor. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, you know what it was for me? And I love The Doors and I love The Beatles. But I was big into Floyd. And listen to David Gilmore play. Uh-huh. I was like... I have to learn these songs. And my freshman year in college, I got a guitar, got a beat up secondhand guitar and had a guy across the hall tell me, you know, showed me the chords. And for the next nine months, I tried to play Wish You Were Here. And I would like to right now formally apologize to my great friend and roommate, Ian Robertson, for having (laughs) to listen to me just do that shitty version over and over again. Um, but it was worth it. Now I pick up a guitar, I can play, and it's just, it's something that stays with you your whole life. Like, yeah, like herpes. <laughs> no, Adam, not like herpes. Yeah. Every, every time Mark has a flare up, it sounds like Pink Floyd. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> every, every time Mark walks in and it picks up a guitar, people are going to go, there it is again. There it is again. The four yeah. notes oh. he knows from Wish You Were Here. <laughs> but you could see when, when I see Steve play, I was like, he was meant to do this. He's the whole, yes. it all comes out of the same place. Yeah. You said something about his talent being released through his guitar, something like that. Yeah. Divine but, inspiration manifested through human talent. That's what I'm like. This is coming from another place for me. Yeah. And that's to me when he was talking about um, being in the moment mm-hmm. and that is your purpose. If you're happy in the moment, that is your purpose. Don't overthink it. Yeah. Just that's success. Yeah, that's what it is. Overthinking. I, I do that all the time. When you no. do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And when you do it, when, when you overthink like that, it's because you have an agenda. And I, I, I after the conversation I had with Stephen, it's, it's, it's still sitting with me, mm-hmm. is I am yanked into future outcomes. So I'm not enjoying yeah. what I'm doing because I'm worried about becoming or arriving. And that's just pulling, pulling myself out of the present moment. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's a time thing. It's not being present. You're in the future, you know, playwriting about what you need. And it's you're, time. you're missing out mm-hmm. on pure joy, on pure, the joy of doing pure yeah. communication of your purpose. Yeah. But the way the, the human condition is such that our minds drag us into the future, into time. See, we don't really experience time. We experience the effect of time and we see the evidence of time. Like if you're walking home and you see a dead body, you're like, well, I guess his time was up. <laughs> right yeah or, that's one way of looking at time yeah. i guess or your alarm clock goes off and you hit the snooze like oh no i need more sleep yeah time yeah or i guess he didn't pay on time either way this is <laughs> this is the effect of time it is we warned you we said you got two months and yeah. then after that it's gonna be over all right Excuse me, this is just, I'll get the money next week. Think of it as hitting the snooze button. That's all you gotta do. <laughs> That's all this is. No, I'll get up. I just think a couple of them will die. I'm with you. Hit the snooze. Lights I out do right now, s- sweetheart. <laughs> I do want to say, he said one thing that really stuck with me. Hmm. And that was, he's like, you know, when you're doing something that you love, whether it's, you know, sewing or whatever, it's something mm-hmm. that you you find joy in and you mm-hmm. just absolutely love. And then a voice, it, it starts talking in your head, telling you you have to stop doing that and do something more important, you know? Yeah. And I just love that because it's, and he's like, don't listen to that voice. What you're doing yeah. that you love, that's what's important. That's the stuff you got to occupy your time with. And I thought, man, that is so true. When you're doing something you love and you're like, oh, I got to get back to my real work or something like that. Yeah. It's like, no, in, just immerse yourself in the things you love. And that's the joy of life. I, I, I thought that that's what came through to me when he said that. I, I totally get that. And you discount what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yes. You yeah. Know, which is horrible. And it's a trap. Well, it's, it's a, you have to have the courage to stay present with what you're what you're doing. What you do you mean the courage? If you're having a great time, there's no courage there. But it's just like oh, sure there is. You the just have to, to fight your mind. That's what I'm saying. The courage to fight your mind. Your mind is giving you things that appear to be true to you. Your worries. You become your worries. You become your thoughts. You become your opinions. Mm-hmm. And and you're looking for things in the world to. To affirm that most people aren't looking for information, they're looking for affirmation. They want to, yes. they, they just want to be able to to confirm what their beliefs are to make them feel better about themselves and who they think they are. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say it was courage for me. I would say it's more of a realization and acceptance. Yeah, but you have to re- you have to be willing to let go of what you think you are first. That's where the courage comes from. I think that's your journey. I think people you know, have to let go of different things. Yeah, I that don't might need a journey. I need friggin' instructions. I don't want a journey. <laughs> he needs a pool tab. I just, yeah, I just, you know what? Enough of this. Is, I don't need, so subtle. I, don't, I need big and friggin' obvious. Enough is enough. <laughs> Adam, you're happy right now. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, enjoy uh, the moment right now. Yeah. You're there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the mind's telling me other things. Yeah, I got to be doing other things. But no, you know what? I am happy. I On my list was Steve Vai. I mean, just as a kid, he's one of those guys. I, I was serious when I said it to, to him. You're the reason I picked up the guitar, and you're the reason I put it down. Who are we kidding? You know, when you watch him play. And the fact that I could 
I could have that conversation I had with him just made me reaffirm that uh, my instincts were correct. This artist holds more for me. I can understand more than the art he's putting out, and I can understand where it's coming from from him. And, and he gave me a lot of things that I needed to hear at the at the time you know i was like oh, okay i'm because i'm still thinking about it that conversation you know the conversation i'm still thinking about too daisy fuentes when we had daisy on the show when she said how's that daisy fuentes says get over yourself you're not that great that oh yeah yeah <laughs> that yeah. just don't, that rang a bell i was like she's right i'm using virtue as a mask yeah don't tell daisy i forgot that okay Okay, yeah yeah because she, she still calls and asks about you <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure by the way Speaking of Daisy, I love that you're like, and then I had to call Richard Marks and tell him, oh, my God, I'm talking to Glenn Johns. You've called me like 40 times to be like, do you know I'm talking to Glenn Johns? Yeah. You're telling Steve, you're telling Richard. How excited exactly are you that you're going to be talking to Glenn Johns? I'm talking to I'm telling everybody. What are you kidding me? <laughs> For those of you who don't know, we have Glenn Johns coming up on the show. <laughs> yeah, really? You know, the man that, that that produced Let It Be before Phil Spector peed all over it. The guy that produced <laughs> The Who, Who's Next, The Rolling Stones, Eric Clapton. You've heard of these people. No, The Kinks, Linda Ronstadt. And yeah. The greatness behind. Yeah. And what did he say? Oh, he's an icon. Steve got it. You don't get it, you <laughs> fuck. I've got to call you 40 times. <laughs> Steve got it the first time. <laughs> I'm in the present moment, Mark, and you're being a dick, okay? <laughs> okay. You know what? Where's he, where's he going? What's he doing? Uh-oh, you're in trouble, Mark. So that's what I'm oh. doing. I'm picking up my guitar right now. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> It's his guitar, not a flamethrower. Yeah, it's tough to be a flamethrower. Unless you're Segovia on a nylon string. It's tough to be a flamethrower. But I can write a blues song real quick. Mark Stern's a dick. Mark Stern's a dick. He's a big, fat dick. Just a dick. Man can't read the signs. You gotta tell him shit 40 times Cause he's a dick <laughs> Mark Stern's a dick <laughs> Yeah, well done man well Thank done. you, and that's and I, I made no deal With the devil to get that talented Thank you, thank you, thank you I cannot thank Steve Vai Enough for being a guest on this little show He made me very, very happy Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? Not Adam Ferrara at Gmail. Uh, show's growing. Thank you guys for your help. Uh, please tell someone you love about the show. And if you leave us a review, that helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. And please remember that life is hard. Take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Go in peace. Uh, Robert Johnson went down to the crossroads, which is uh, 125th and Lex. <laughs> okay. I don't think that's it. Should I believe him, Mark? <laughs> no, it's not. I want it's Mark to tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> Please, Mark. Please, Uncle Mark. I'll, I'll know there'd be a the more accuracy in it. That Uncle Mark thing was creepy. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that. 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.